Welcome to the Purple Political Breakdown. I am glad you are here and I'm glad you are listening to today's podcast episode. My mission in each and every one of these episodes is to really focus on the solutions to some of the biggest questions and most controversial topics going on in our current society. I feel like most of these conversations are not truly being discussed in a more logical and respectful manner due to the political toxicity that goes on with both the left and the right, both the Democrats and the Republicans. In this podcast, I don't care about any of that. I am focused on the solutions. I'm focused on bridging gaps. If you want to join me on this journey, if you want to discuss some of the most important topics, if you are tired of the political toxicity and negativity from both sides, please support this channel, share the podcast, and go to my website, www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com. I appreciate the support. I'll continue to make content and hopefully we can start bridging these gaps and focusing on real issues going on in our world. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Purple Political Breakdown, episode number 62, The Cycle of Hatred. We're going to talk about that, and there's obviously something that led up to that, and we'll discuss that as well. But we have a lot of interesting conversations to go over, of course, as we talk about this conversation, of course, we want to talk about, you know, some of the current events that is going on, uh, such as the auto union, such as stuff regarding Vladimir Putin, that uh, potentially corrupt crypto CEO. We'll talk about him as well. And then we'll go over some of our subtopics, deeper, deeper social subtopic, a lot of your favorite things. If you do enjoy today's episode, I do recommend you rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Tell all your friends. Tell them to go to Apple Podcasts, look up Purple Political Breakdown, and rate it five stars. It really help us grow and push out the message more and more as our goal is to find solutions without political bias. A lot of great guest episodes in the future. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and all the streaming services. And if you want to contact me, feel free to go to the website www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com appreciate each and every one of you who support the podcast and we have a lot of plans for the future and we're gonna knock out um, a lot of great content for the end of the year as well so to start off we are going to do obviously what you need to know what is going on in society that i think you should know some of the kind of news stories and always recommend shout out 1440 for sending me a daily newsletter one of a very very good uh, source of information but make sure that anytime you're reading these news articles anytime you're getting this information from a third party to do your own research if you want to learn more about what is going on so let's talk about some of the few things that's going on the united auto workers union and general motors corporation finally come to a deal and the basic the idea or the deal compromise that they came to is a 25 percent hourly wage increase plus the return of cost of living adjustments for the workers so w workers of course w workers you know how i feel about unions and how they're overall net positive for people as we always try to keep corporations in check to an extent these are very rich people they own like 
most of the money in America. So we need to obviously keep power to the people as best as possible. Next, we got a uh, announcement. The trial that um, revolving Donald Trump, it begins for the 14th Amendment lawsuit seeking to bar former President Donald Trump from appearing on the 2024 ballot in Colorado due to roll in January 6th. So due to the role in January 6th. So due to his role in January 6th. So that trial is beginning in reference to that. What will happen by the time you listen to this, this could already be over. But it's it's a big question mark in terms of Donald Trump. Will he be kind of pretty much barred from treason? Will he go to prison? Will he be the president? There are a lot of questions to be asked from this trial and a multitude of other trials, as we know, of course. Israel has believed to kill one of Hamas's leaders in an airstrike. As we know, the Israel and Palestine conflict is not going down, and that'll be part of the bigger conversation I want to discuss today, of course. And they expected to kind of kill one of the leaders. They um, allegedly kill one of the leaders. They are trying to go to do a ground assault as of recently, from what I've been reading. And it's it's a question on what happens next. What will happen with Lebanon? What will happen to Iran? What will the U.S. do? Big question marks, of course. Uh, millions of Afghan foreigners fleeing from the Taliban deported from Pakistan. Since America left Afghanistan, a lot of people are not satisfied with the Taliban rule. Women have been suffering to an extent where they have little to no rights under this Taliban rule. And a lot of them left are leaving Afghanistan to other countries, including Pakistan. But Pakistan can only take so much, as we know, and they're starting to deport them back to Afghanistan. It's a very terrible situation, and it honestly, the, the, the bigger conversation in terms of America's involvement and America's role in creating more peace for these countries is always a question mark. At the end of the day, if people want change, yes, America's the number one. Yes, America's big brother. And at some point, we can't keep bailing people out, and revolution needs to be at your hands. It, it's a tough conversation. I'm sure we'll have bigger conversation regarding that in the future. And I'm sure to an extent that people, even though they want a better country in America, they realize people suffering is not a good thing. So it's a very tough situation to deal with, of course. The founder of trading platform FTX was found guilty of misappropriating billions in investor funds and is facing 115 years in jail. He created a cryptocurrency market, an app, FTX. Oh, I think he's in his 30s. Made a whole lot of money. Found out, oh, nah, this is not cool. Bunch of people in his circle snitched on him, and he is screwed for the rest of his life. Money can make you do crazy things, and now this guy's life is over because he wanted to make a quick buck. Was it worth it? Obviously not. And last but not least is Russian President Vladimir Putin signs law that would allow country to exit the 1996 treaty banning nuclear testing. Hmm. One of the scariest things that a lot of people have been fearing regarding the Russian and Ukraine situation is nuclear conflict, basically. And is this kind of a step towards that? 
it's hard to say. It's really hard to say. But we obviously need to keep our eyes on this situation. Again, plays into the bigger conversation in terms of the cycle of hatred. So those are some of the things that's going on. Let me know your thoughts, of course, regarding all the uh, current events. And next, we want to dive into the social subtopic. Now, this subtopic is in reference to a situation that happened a while ago, but some uh, interesting information got released regarding uh, Audrey Deal. I think that's her name, Audrey Hale. And apparently she dropped a manifesto. So let's look at this real quick. I'm going to, if you're watching live, I'm going to put a a live live, uh, display on maybe, no, 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 no. This is probably inappropriate to kind of put out. But I see the information from Steven Crowder. Apparently he posted it from wherever he got it. It's calling hashtag Nashville Manifesto, and this is apparently Audrey Hale's notebook of stuff she said. So some of the stuff she says, obviously, if I can't repeat it, I will repeat it because of a potential slur or negative, whatever. So basically, she wrote, Death Day. Uh, To the day is the day. The day has finally come. I can't believe it's here. Don't know how I was able to get this far, but here I am. I'm a little nervous, but excited to... be uh okay let me see if i can zoom in because this is just normal person handwriting so it's hard to make out everything um hold on been excited for the past two weeks there were several times i could have been caught especially this summer of 2021 none of that matters now i'm almost an hour seven miles away can't believe i'm doing this but i'm ready I hope my victims aren't. My only fear is if there anything goes wrong, I'll do my best to prevent uh, some, something of the sort. God let my wrath take one of my take over my anxiety. And people use God to do horrible things are some of the worst people. It might be 10 minutes tops. It might be three to seven. It's going to go quick. I'll bo- I hope I have a high death count. Ready? To die. So this crazy thing that Andre's saying. Kill those kids. Those C-R-A-C-K-E-R-S. The white slur for white people. Go into private schools. Kill those kids. Go into private schools with those fancy khakis and sports backpacks. Wealthier daddies, Mustangs, and convertibles. F you little shit. I wish to shoot you weak ass D I C K S. I'm trying not to curse. I'm this is this is a professional podcast. I'm trying not to. With your mop yellow hair. Kill all you little crap, you know what I'm saying? Bunch of little F A G G O T S with your white privileges. F U F A G G. You know what I'm talking about. And then there's a whole kind of uh timeline of everything she's doing crazy crazy nashville manifesto it's it's actually insane to me that this happened right it's 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 ridiculous to the fact that 
liberals and the people on the left and the progressives have been coming at the gun situation, have been coming at, you know, people who have been shooting people up due to racism, right, and all this different stuff. And it, it dawns on me how we can have these conversations knowing that, yes, we need better ways to, you know, have safer gun usage in the country, but not recognize that there also is not a problem with people on the right. It's not a problem with potential independence. People on the left, too, are just as unhinged. They do the exact same things. They blame everybody else. They are using God in the name of the death, the killing that they're about to do. And they make themselves think they, they feel like they're are some type of liberator or some type of messenger for the actions that they're about to commit. It doesn't matter what side you are on, whether it's the left and the middle or the right. What matters is how you handle situations that you're not fond of. What matters is how we handle the people in our circle that are just as unhinged. I, I think people on the left need to take responsibility for this. And the reason why I'm, I'm kind of being a little bit more direct to people on the left is because you want to create a safer world with less shootings, less killings. You want to create this peaceful society for all. You want to create a world where regardless of your identity, everybody should be able to express themselves freely. Regardless of what you think about that notion, that peaceful world is something that a lot of people can definitely get behind. So now it's time for the left to take responsibility to an extent of what happened. Now it's time for the left to take responsibility that, yes, our side has mental health issues. Yes, our side has angry gun holding horrible people. Yes, we need to fix our side as well. The ones that absolute hate white and wealthy people to the point where they will go kill them in masses. Yes, my side needs to correct the people who are so hateful, so upset that they will kill kids. Yes, we need to take responsibility. Not deflect it to guns. Not deflect it to a, you know, Second Amendment issue. No, you need to reflect to the personnel issue on your side. Just like the right, just like any ideology, when there's an issue, you cut out the weeds. You condemn those horrible actors. This is very important. This is extremely important for the left to do from this situation because it's not the first one it won't be the last one and if you um one of my prior podcast episodes we one of the guests brought up a statistic that was brought out in terms of more and more americans percentage wise are more inclined to commit to violence to change america it's irrational it's ridiculous it's unproductive 
it's if only if anything it's going to make us take steps backwards the moment we feed into our hatred and our anger you're just benefiting the people that you hate the most you're fueling them you're creating a cycle of hatred so we we'll left Take responsibility for this situation and condemn the fool that committed this person. I'm pretty sure this person was part of the LGBTQ as well. Any organization, any identity, anything that preaches peace can still have a bug. Can still have a person that can ruin everything. Every movement that ever existed to revolutionize peace in the world always has to consider the fact there's going to be people in our inner circle that will go too far that can potentially ruin everything for everybody else. I mean, look at BLM, Black Lives Matter. The uh, was the CEO of BLM was buying mansions for her and her people, ruin it for everybody. It happens all the time. I'm going to preach this and I, I need people to understand that no, regardless of what solution that we want to create for society, there will always be those people who will use the solution that is put in place to commit terror. To commit terror. And that is what this individual did. Use their anger and their frustration on white, rich people and decided to kill them. No different from a white racist going and killing black people. There's no difference whatsoever. But there's an interesting conversation regarding this. The mental health stuff, right? Because people, the first thing that people are going to do is kind of like go to mental health saying, this is a mental health issue. Um, this person was mentally ill. We need to fix our mental health crisis. And someone brought up something very interesting to me, or at the very least said it. I think I was watching a, a show or a podcast about it. And they said something that was extremely enlightening. What is the difference? And I guess I should introduce. This is a deep or deeper segment. So we're going into a little bit of a mind, food for thought, mind exercise. What is the difference between a mass shooter and a terrorist. The reason why I bring this up. Is because. When people do horrible things. To other people. It makes sense that you would call them mentally ill. Because what rational person. Would do such a thing. Regardless of. Their background. Their, their situation. Their religion. Anybody willing to condemn human lives, belittle human lives to the point where you can kill a bunch of them for no reason, no remorse, to do horrible acts to these people, 
you have to, in theory, be mentally ill. So what is the difference between the two? What is the difference between someone like Andrea Hale, a mass shooter who wants to go kill a bunch of people for her own selfish reasons, and a terrorist who wants to go kill a bunch of people for their own selfish reasons? Now, I'm not saying every situation where loss of life at a large enough scale is a mental health situation. War can be very frustrating. These situations where your your back is against the wall can be very hard to conceptualize. But when there's no reason or remorse and you're just trying to make noise, that's exactly what a terrorist would do. And that's exactly why mass shooters do what they do. They want to make noise. They don't value human life. They don't even value their own life. So with that said, it makes the conversation interesting when it comes down to mass shooting and terrorists. How we deal with them from an American perspective. For mass shooters, or yeah, for mass shooters, for the most part, how we deal with them is we kind of blame one of two things, right? We either blame guns for the reason why they are mass shooters in the first place, or we kind of blame guns as the tool of destruction that the mass shooters use to commit the awful action that they are committing. Or we blame the mental health of the individual that's committed the action, and whether it's society or the community around them not being able to help them get out of their rut, basically. So, one of two things usual, the weapon of destruction or the mental capacity of the, of the individual. But we don't do that for terrorists. For terrorists, we just say they're evil scum of the earth that deserve to be annihilated. For the word terrorist is immediately a, a trigger word. You immediately have negative connotations for good reason. There's a good reason. 9-11 has changed a lot for America. We don't like terrorists because they're killing the people for no reason. But the reason why I'm comparing the two is mass shooter is technically a, a trigger word too, but to a different extent. is because maybe we should be treating them the same. Maybe we can take steps... To create a safer society, like we did after 9-11 in terms of, you know, homeland security and, you know, going to the airport. To ensure we do our best to create a safer environment for people going on planes, for American general. A safer environment. We could take steps to do that. So if we did that for our terrorists, why can't we do that for mass shooters? Why is the need to hold a gun, and I'm not saying take all guns away, but why is the need to hold an individualized gun such a strong, strong principle that we can't take steps for better protection for society? Hopefully we can, which is the point. Hopefully you have better means to create a safer environment for society. 
I've talked about it plenty, whether it's security, whether it's better ways to make sure that we understand who has guns and these weapons, whether it's overall just having more training and understanding on how to use these guns. But creating a safer environment is something that's pretty obvious. There's so many things that I would say Republicans would agree with that to ensure that we have less terrorists in our country. Regardless of how you feel about Homeland Security, I think they recognize that more security at airports, more security on airplanes, more security overall in these public spaces, a lot of them, of course, where there's a lot of people, is a net positive. I think a lot of people on the right would also agree that we want better security on our border. We want better means of vetting the uh, immigrants that are coming into the country. But it dawns on me how they're not willing to have the conversation regarding certain public spaces like a school, like a mall, like any of that. It dawns on me why they're not willing to have the conversation on better security, better safety measures in terms of using a gun. It dawns on me why they're willing to push back on this situation, but is all for having the best security possible at our border. I'm just saying that if the goal is safety and security for the people, especially kids, if the goal is a better society overall, then why do we change our rhetoric based off the situation? Playing the politics game, as I've said multiple times, that I don't like. The politics game, the, the way to emotionally trigger the voters. But once you really have a conversation, if I'm really having an honest conversation with another individual, we know that the end all goal, the reason why the Second Amendment exists, the sole reason it exists is for safety and security of us as individuals. Whether it's from a criminal, whether it's for the government, it's important. And something else I want to point out, uh, and this is a bigger conversation regarding mass shooting and, and gun usage, is the understanding that not everybody wants to use gun. Not everybody wants to own a gun. So the only way a lot of this rhetoric for the Second Amendment that people would say, oh, my gun, you know, I don't take my gun. It's like, I don't need a permit. I don't need any of that. Everyone should just have guns and then we will all be safe. It's ridiculous. But we'll not step onto that. Let's focus on the point. So if we're kind of looking at mass shooters and terrorism, terrorists kind of similar, we recognize that we want to take certain steps to ensure better safety and security for America, for society. Pretty obvious, right? It's also interesting that we, for mass shooters, we care about the the mental turmoil that led up to this. But for terrorists, we think they're scum of the earth. We think they're less than human. Why do we try to humanize mass shooters? Why do we try to dive into their mental health? Why do we try to dive into their background? I'm not saying these are not good things to because more information helps prevent further disaster. But we don't have the same kind of approach 
when it comes to terrorists. We don't care how the person thinks what they think. We don't care about their mental aptitude. We don't care how they're raised. We don't care. They're terrorists. But mass shooters, we definitely care. Like, even with this Andre Hale stuff, even though it's crazy and, and um, I talked about it, sounds like we went in a lot of depth to find that Na Nashville manifesto. Sounds like we went in a lot of depth to see that certain people follow the Daily Wire. Certain people follow uh, the Young Turks. We go through a whole slew of things to see their connections so we can criticize the connections that led up to this point. It doesn't seem like the goal from more information is to prevent further disaster. What it seems like to me is we're playing the politics game again. We're playing that weird game to ensure that we can make ourselves and our positions look stronger than the other. The goal is misguided yet again in this conversation. Security safety. Dehumanization or dehumanization of the individual that committed the actions. It's inconsistently used for two figures that are exactly the same. Both individuals, as I'm going to say it again, both individuals are mentally ill at the end of the day. To want to kill a number of people to send a message. To not look at human life as important enough to not to kill at masses. To not even value your own life to the point where a lot of these mass shooters kill themselves. A lot of these terrorists kill themselves. They're one in the same. Mass shooters are just domestic terrorists, to be honest. But we treat them we treat them very differently. Foreign terrorists and domestic. Terrorists are terrorists. Mass shooters are mass shooters. Killing a ton of people at scale is deplorable actions. So my my vision or what how I see the better way to approach this is that we create better means for security and safety in both dealing with foreign terrorism and dealing with domestic terrorism. We, we, we kind of keep it consistent. Better safety and security for both. And then as for the humanization of the individual, well, it's up to you on how you want to approach that, to be honest. There are people who care about people at the individual level, and those people are appreciated. And again, this will be part of a big conversation in terms of the cycle of hatred. This is very important in terms of the cycle of hatred when it comes to humanizing the individual. It's up to you what you want to do. Do you want to dehumanize all these terrorists, quote unquote, and get rid of them all? Or do you want to humanize them? And fix the root of the problem. That's something I can't tell you. That's not something I can answer for you. That's something you're going to have to find for yourself. And that's just the honest truth. We all will act differently based off the circumstance. If my friend was a mass shooter. I would feel differently. If it was a random person. If my brother was killed by a mass shooting. I would feel different. If it's a random kid. 
So I'm not going to tell you how to feel. I'm not going to tell you how you should approach the individual. The only thing I will tell you is to keep it consistent and approach it based off your values, not your politics. Do you want a great website like this? This is my podcast website where I direct the audience to come to watch the content, listen to the content, read the blogs, and much, much more. If you want to have your own customizable podcast website, then join my affiliate link in my description to sign up for something called PodPage, and they can help you customize an easy podcast website for your personal podcast. Sign up to get a discount now. Again, use the link in my description to join PodPage now. So let's dive into the bigger conversation. The bigger conversation of the cycle of hatred. Now, funny story. What made me talk about this? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am a fan of Attack on Titan. Have you heard of it? Yes, I talk about politics and all that stuff. I talk about very important issues, but we're all human. We all have hobbies that we enjoy. And some mediums, we gain a lot of very important lessons from. And one of those messages that I garnered are garnered from one of the greatest anime and manga of all time is Attack on Titan. Because in this series, there is a conflict. Spoilers, by the way. There's a conflict between two... and. In- entities two different parties of individuals not political parties but ideological parties basically to help you understand and these two individual two parties have been at each other's throats for so very long one party did something despicable long 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 time ago current party is doing something despicable now The other side wants revenge. And after that person does revenge, the other side wants revenge on that revenge. The cycle of hatred. Now, the way they save the world, basically, is very, very, very drastic. And I won't spoil it for you, but I will say this. There needs to be steps taken into place to make sure that a a certain type of ending never happens. Ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about the bigger conversation. There are situations in society right now where we're having similar things happen. The Israel and Palestine situation is a perfect example. I talked about the history from what I've known, the, the surface level history from what I've known already. How both... Palestinians and Israelis, Jewish and uh, Muslim, they had wants, they had claim to the land to an extent. They both wanted Israel for themselves. There was constant conflict on who should own it. Certain people were killing each other. Palestinians were killing each other, killing Israelis. Israelis were killing Palestinians. The conflict kept on going. For years and years and years. And the question is, will peace be ever be brokered? Even in a Ukraine or Russia situation, 
with the Ukrainians and Russians. Conflict constantly. We could probably think of so many circumstances where there's constant conflict, but we got to recognize I can understand why someone would want revenge. My friend was killed, and I'm, I'm, my friend wasn't killed specifically, but I'm kind of kind of framing this for you. I have a friend that's killed. I'm going to want to have justice on the guy that killed my friend. So let's say I kill that guy. Well, that guy is friends. That guy is family. He's going to want revenge. And then the cycle continues. There's really never been a situation where revenge satisfied anybody. Or revenge was the solution to solve the, the problem at hand. Especially at a large scale. What we're going to need, and it goes back to the conversation prior. We're going to need individuals who are ready to humanize the scum of the earth. These people that is willing to see the human inside the individual, to see the pain and the suffering that is going on in their hearts, to see the anger that is emanating from their presence, the people who are willing to see that are the people who are going to save the world. And that's just the God-honest truth. I've said this already. We're all human. Yes, there are certain people who have no capacity for emotion. Sociopaths, psychopaths. But the excuse of mental illness is just not a good one. The reason why is because we all feel. The reason why we reach that point can be probably a negative environment. A negative circumstance that happened to me. And then you want to continue that cycle. Someone has to be the individual to stop the cycle itself. Someone needs to be willing to understand that all of us want a better society. All of us want to live in a peaceful life. All of us want our kids to flourish and prosper in a peaceful society. We want the basic necessities. We want to enjoy life. All of us want that. So you can understand that when someone tries to take those things away, why they will be angry. That's the part you got to look at. That's the part you got to empathize with. And it's ridiculous how... Some sides want to empathize. Some sides want to sympathize. But they don't keep it consistent. Like, for example, I'm going to attack the left again. How are you going to be willing to humanize the Palestinians and Hamas, but not feel the same way to the Israelis? How are you going to humanize people for the LGBTQ? Minorities, but not humanize white people. There's no consistency. You don't want to see identity. You don't want to see color. You don't want to see any of that, I'm sure. 
So why don't we just see people as humans? Isn't that the goal at the end of the day? What is the most dangerous is when we pick and choose how we humanize people. When we pick and choose who we deem are humans. That is the worst thing you can do because that allows you to commit the most atrocious, atrocious actions. And then you start that cycle. Someone has to be able to bite the bullet. Someone has to be able to forgive. It's crazy, right? That we've had this message of forgiveness for so long from religion, from Christianity. You know, I grew up Christian, so I I obviously know this. That one of the biggest keys and components of Jesus Christ dying on the cross is forgiving all of our sins. Human history has known this solution for so long. That the key to saving society, the key to ending the worst cycle in human history, the key to prosperity and peace. And I'm, I'm not saying this to be this religious nut job. I'm not saying this for being being this moralistic, you know, advocator. I'm not saying any of that to put me on a pedestal. I'm approaching logic. The key is forgiveness. It has always, always been the key. It's one of the most difficult things you can do. How can I forgive someone who punched me in my face? How can I forgive someone that cheated on me? How could I forgive someone who stole from me? How could I forgive someone that killed my family? How could I forgive someone that killed me? One of the hardest things that you could ever do in your life is forgive someone who has wronged you. But, but, one of the most powerful things, one of the most, the best solutions, one of the greatest tools you can have at your disposal is the ability to forgive someone who's wronged you. Because think of it like this. Let's use this in situations now today in society, right? So, in a situation regarding Israel and Palestine, let's say that there's Israeli IDF soldiers who finally forgive the fact that there is terrorists, Hamas individuals that killed their family and decided that I want to put my gun down and I want to create a unified state. Let's say Palestinians forgave their loved ones dying from airstrikes and IDF soldiers to come together, forgive them, and create a unified state. The, after that, the solution that they created, what will happen? Peace. That's what's going to happen. 
peace. Imagine Ukraine and Russia. Ukraine. Forgive the fact that Russia invaded and killed Ukrainian people. And decided, fine, I want to end the war. I want peace. Russia forgave them for whatever allegations they have and killing Russian soldiers. I want peace. Imagine what happens moving forward. Because approaching peace is not good for sustaining life. Approaching peace is good for innovation. Approaching peace is good for revolution. Approaching peace is good for evolution of humanity. Humanity won't evolve if we keep on killing each other. Humanity won't evolve if we stay in this cycle of hatred. Humanity won't evolve if we, as individuals, bicker over some of the most minute things. I... I'm in a very unique position based off my experience. But I will never lie to you and say that I know for a fact that regardless of what anybody does to me, I'll be able to forgive them. Everybody wants justice. But holding on to that hatred and allowing that hatred to control you will never, will never allow you to live out your life successfully, joyfully, completely. This message is important, ladies and gentlemen. This message of forgiveness is important because our society could collapse at any moment. Someone can be so hell-bent on continuing the cycle that another world war happens. We're living in an era where we think that we can create anything we want. A virtual reality. You can kind of create a virtual reality where you play in a video game. You can create stuff like Mr. Beast as an innovator who's putting wells in multiple um, third world countries. You can create so many ideas and things but the only way you can do that is if you approach it through peace not violence it can be a little superficial it can be something hard to understand for people who are endowed with hatred it's tough I won't deny that but you can the you can see the bigger conversation. And that's all I wanted to spell out for the people. I really do hope you enjoyed this podcast episode and discussing this cycle of hatred. We see numerous examples constantly of it going on. We see ways of the world that it is today that is consumed by the cycle of hatred. But the more we continue, and honestly, it, it's the more I look at politics, even on a less violent scale, what is hating Donald Trump going to do for me? What is hating Joe Biden going to do for me? What is hating Trump supporters going to do for me? What is hating um, radical progressives going to do for me? Nothing. 
nothing. It won't provide anything for you either. Shout out a lot of the individuals that's creating all this very excellent content. But if you go into people like Destiny or Hassan's stream, maybe even like Just Pearly Things, who is in this current cycle where she's constantly feuding over with women. You can't let this cycle, which is very monetizable, by the way. Easiest way to monet or gain money from is through war, violence, and emotions. And the cycle of hatred has all three of those things. Very easy. That's why controversy sells. But just tell these people, just pearly things, Destiny, Hassan, etc., etc., that I get it. You know, these people have wronged you. A lot of people have said some nasty stuff to Destiny and Hassan and per just pearly things. But I think overall, Just Pearly Things probably has her own approach to have a better relationship society in terms of more healthy relationships. Destiny wants a better uh, society overall due to leftist ideology, and same with Hassan. But if they're too stuck in their ways of thinking, and I don't think Destiny is. I think Hassan and Just Pearly Things is more of a problem with them. But if they're too stuck in their line of thinking... They're just going to continue the cycle. That's all that is going to happen at the end of the day. So that is all I have to say in reference to the cycle of hatred. Uh, this is a big conversation that I do think is important. Shout out to Attack on Titan for eliciting it so beautifully through the anime and the manga. But we see this cycle currently in society. We've seen this cycle throughout history and human history. We've seen the cycle kill millions, billions of people. And we... Honestly, if anything is going to end the world, if anything can end humanity, it's that cycle right there. So make sure you guys take a lesson out of Jesus Christ's guidebook, Bible. I'm not telling you to be religious, but I am telling you that forgiveness is going to be your most powerful tool throughout the rest of your life. Hope you guys enjoyed. Rate it five stars if you did on the podcast, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to reach out to me to be a future guest or just want to contact me, feel free to go to my website, www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com. You can find my email and contact me there, of course. Hope you all enjoy. You all have a good one. Take care. And peace. Well, check it out, y'all. We got what you need. We're all living in apartments, condos, vans. Well, dude. Even you can have a studio. A studio in a box. Yes, we can help you with that right here at Blind Knowledge. We work on your budget, and we figure out your measurements. We'll get you the best sound for the best price. Let me know, 877-237-1143, or at blindknowledge.com. Yep.